on my heart, God put a message that I really believe is for many of you, all of you, in due time. But I want to talk to you about faith breakers becoming faith makers. We all go through faith breakers, that is, things that challenge our faith, test it, try it, stretch it, challenge it. And how we come through it depends on how we respond to it. And so I want to talk to you about the faith breaker of when dreams are dashed. When dreams are dashed. Now I want to read Proverbs 13, verse 12, and we're going to read it out of two different versions. And um, let's read it together since it's only one verse. I want you to read it with me. And it's good to see all of you here at 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock is growing, and we're thankful for it. Amen? Amen. Now, let's read together Proverbs 13, 12. Hope delayed makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Now, you got to hear the message version. Let's look at the message. Read it with me. Unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick, but a sudden good break can turn life around. Now, how many of you could use a good break? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are the one who picks us up when we're down who dusts us off, stands us back on our feet. When we've gone through disappointed expectations, when our hope has been deferred, when we've been through tough times, trying times, when what we thought was going to happen hasn't happened, at least not yet, and we feel discouraged. You're the one who comes into our pain and encourages us. And I'm asking you that your word will touch the people today, penetrate into discouraged hearts and disillusioned minds, and Lord, reignite our hope and reignite our faith that we will leave this building today with a skip in our step and a gleam in our eye and a smile on our face, encouraged in God. And Lord, we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, will you breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to my heart. I receive your word into my life today. Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, perk up. You're going to need this before you get home. Amen. You know, we all experience setbacks, disappointments, and frustrated expectations. I, I know I have. That's a part of life. If you're alive, uh, you're, you're somebody who hopes for certain things, dreams for certain things, has aspirations to certain things. And from time to time, those things don't come to pass like we thought they would. And so we experience a setback, a disappointment, a discouragement, even a disillusionment. Wow, I thought things were going to go this way, and they went this way. I thought that door was going to open, but this one has opened instead, or no door at all. And we wonder what's going on. We experience setbacks when that cherished goal we are aiming for uh, is suddenly out of reach due to circumstances beyond our control. And we can't reach that goal that we just knew we were going to achieve. Or that dream we believe with all of our heart was from God doesn't materialize. What do you do then? You just knew that it was God, but it doesn't materialize. Or a person that we thought we would spend our life with either walks out or is taken away one way or another. What do you do then? When you just knew a certain person, 
a certain scenario was going to be a part of your life, and it's not. Or that business you put all your dreams and efforts into falls short of your expectations. What do you do then? Everybody experiences things like this. This is a part of living life. But here's the deal. What do you do? What do you do when you not only place your own talents and love and time and energy into something, but also your faith? There is a God component to your expectation, which takes it to another level than if you were just expecting something in and of your own energy and your own strength and your own talent. But now God has been involved in your expectation. You have had faith toward God. And so now there is a God factor involved in it. You just knew that God was going to do a certain thing a certain way in a certain time, bless that certain thing, that endeavor, and it fails. Or at least it looks like it failed. You may be experiencing the death of a dream. And when you have the death of a dream, God will often come and resurrect that dream so that the power will be of him and the glory will be to him and not to you. But the God component, when the God component is involved in a discouragement or a letdown or a setback, like you took one step forward, two steps back, when God was involved in your expectation, then you experience a faith crisis. Now, you may not want to admit it, but let me tell you how you know you're having a faith crisis because there are certain things rolling around in your brain like this. Where was God? Where was God when, when I just knew that certain thing was going to take place and, and it didn't? And, and not only that, but something really negative has happened. Where was God? Where was God? Why wasn't he watching over me? Why didn't he stop it? Why didn't he intervene? Where was God? That's faith crisis talking to you. Or how about this? Why did he let this happen? He's God. He can do anything. He can stop anything. He can open any door or shut any door. Why did he let this happen? Or, I thought faith was honored by him. Haven't I always been told that you can have anything you believe for? Believe, and it will come to pass. Whatever you have faith for will happen. And then it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't like you thought it would. It doesn't when you thought it would. It doesn't in the way you thought it would. And now you're having a faith crisis. Or I believe with all of my heart, and it did not happen. So, so what's up with this? What's, this is not living up to everything I've been taught or read in the Bible. So I don't understand this expectation. Now let me tell you something. Let me tell you what the devil is after when you are going through a disappointed hope or a failed expectation. Let me tell you what the devil's after. He's not out to make something go bump in the night or to give you a flat tire. If you got a flat tire, you ran over something. He's not out to give you a flat tire or, or to give you a headache or to, to make a little something go wrong in your life. No, no, no. Let me tell you what the devil's really after when you go through a failed expectation. He's after your faith. He wants your faith. The devil's tactic is to go after your faith. He wants you to doubt God. He wants you to question God. He wants your faith to weaken in the presence of a failed expectation. If God was there, then why didn't he do it? If God honors faith, then why didn't it happen? And the devil attacks your faith. Now, let me prove it to you. I'll prove to you how he does this. You remember when Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Simon, 
Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. That's a real strong picture because when they sifted wheat, you would have a pile of wheat grain here and they would take a pitchfork and they would thrust it into that pile and they would heave it up into the air violently so that the wind would blow against it and take the shaft off the wheat. It was a violent, shaking, rattling experience for that wheat. And Jesus says to Peter, Simon Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, to toss you into the air and have the wind of adversity hit you. And Jesus said, I have prayed for you, Simon. Now notice what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, I've prayed that it will not happen. He didn't say, I'm praying, Simon, that the trial doesn't happen. He didn't say that. He says, Simon, I'm praying for you that when you do go through the trial, because I'm not going to block you from going through the trial, Peter, because this apparent faith breaker, Peter, is going to be a faith maker for you. He said, I'm not going to stop you from the trial, but here's what I'm praying, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, you will strengthen the brethren. Peter, you're going to go through something. It's going to look like a faith breaker to you. You're going to think you're losing your faith. You're going to think that things are, you're going to go through a real trial, son. But, it, but even though it looks like a faith breaker because I'm praying for you, it's actually going to be a faith maker. When you come out on the other side, you're going to be so much stronger, so much better, so much clearer. You're going to strengthen your brethren. You're going to be a pillar in the house of God. Now, now. He says, I'm, I, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Here's, here's what Jesus knew. Satan was going to go after his faith. And we know that he did. Because what did Peter do when he had denied the Lord and saw Jesus hung on the cross and it looked like everything was falling apart? What did he do? He went back to his old life, back to fishing. He said, I'm going fishing. Translated, I'm going back to my old life, what I used to know. But all night long they fished and they didn't catch anything. And I can tell you, if you ever think about going back to your old life, let me tell you what you're going to get. A great big handful of nothing. Because there is nothing back there in that old life for you. Not one thing. You will come up empty because God will not allow the old life he called you out of to serve you in any way, shape, or form. Our life is in him. Now, Satan knew that if he could steal Peter's faith in Jesus away, he could not only ruin his walk with the Lord, but he could also take out the Lord's star disciple. Because this Simon Peter was called to be the one that when the Holy Spirit fell, he would stand on the day of Pentecost and preach the gospel with fire, and 3,000 people would be saved. He would preach again, and 5,000 people would be saved. He was called to write two epistles in the Lord's sacred word. He was called to be the one who preached the gospel first to the Gentiles and opened the gospel door to the Gentiles. God's hand was on Simon Peter to be the rock, to be the pillar of the church. And Satan knew, if I can get him here in his young life, his young walk, if I can stop him before he really gets started, then I'll take him out. And so Peter said, I see exactly what the devil's trying to do. Peter, he's trying to take away your faith. And so I'm praying your faith does not fail. And every one of you in here going through a trial, things you don't understand, you've had setbacks, disappointments, discouragements, you need to know that there is a Jesus in heaven who is ever living to make intercession for you. And he's praying the same thing. I pray your faith does not fail. And when you've gone through it, 
You're going to rise up and be a strength to the church, better than you ever were before. It's going to be a faith maker for you. In Jesus' name. Now, what did Peter go through? Well, we see in the Bible that Peter's dream was completely shattered. you know why? Because Peter's dream was Jesus himself. Now, follow me. Peter's dream was Jesus. Peter believed that Jesus was going to conquer Rome by his supernatural power, his supernatural anointing. He had walked on water. He had raised the dead. He had opened blind eyes. He spoke like no man ever spoke. This Jesus seemed to be always in control, always in charge, never beaten down, never defeated. And he said, my dream is in him. Not only am I following him, but I'm following what he represents. He's going to bring in the messianic kingdom of righteousness, peace, joy, and justice. The, the terrible Caesars are going to be put down. The tyranny of Rome is going to be put down. And Jesus is going to rule the world with a scepter of righteousness. And I believe in him and the dream he represents. He believed so much in that dream. He left absolutely everything behind. He walked away from everything he'd ever known. His wife, his business, familiar surroundings, the comforts of home, his lifelong friends. He said goodbye, 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 burned every bridge and followed his dream. Now Jesus knew this. He knew that Peter's overall expectations were right. But he also knew he lacked depth of understanding. Let me put it another way. His faith was strong, but it was misinformed. And see, so often our faith can be really, really strong that something's going to happen, but we lack information. We lack, we, we lack fuller depth of understanding so that we're believing for something, but we don't fully know what God is up to or what he really wants. We have an idea, and so we believe for it. But just like Peter, our faith is strong, but it's misinformed. See, here's what Peter did not understand when he was following his dream. He didn't understand that Jesus first must be betrayed, beaten, crucified, buried, and then resurrected. He didn't get that at all. Jesus told them over and over, the Son of Man's going to be betrayed, he's going to be beaten, and they're going to kill me. And they did not understand it. They didn't understand it till Jesus had risen from the dead and particularly till Pentecost happened and the Holy Ghost came upon them and gave them supernatural understanding and wisdom. They were doing their best, but their faith was misinformed because they had inadequate information. Because of the circumstances that he was about to experience, Jesus prayed, Peter, I'm asking that your faith would not fail. Son, it's not going to fail. I'm praying for your faith because he was about to walk through a major faith breaker. Now let's just look at what happened. First, his dream was dashed, like some of yours have been. His dream was dashed. Rather than conquer Rome by his supernatural power, it looked to Peter like Rome had conquered him. Because Jesus looked so defeated, hanging on a cross, beaten beyond recognition, Hanging there, the one who had walked on water, who had spoken like no man ever spoke, who always seemed to be on top of things. Now he's hanging on a cross. He's bloodied, he's beaten, he's bruised, he's about to die. Peter doesn't understand it. His dream is dashed. 
Jesus looked like anything but in control, like a conquering hero would have and should have looked. Peter's dream, his vision for the future, the hope for which he'd sacrificed everything, spectacularly crumbled right in front of his eyes. Wow. You ever felt that way? Something you were really believing God to do, and it spectacularly just falls apart in front of your eyes, and, and you're sitting there going, what is up with this? What is going on with this? How has this come down? How has this happened? This isn't where my faith was. This isn't anywhere where my faith was. What is up, Lord? Now hold that thought. Just shelf Peter for a minute. Let me talk to you about somebody else who went through exactly the same kind of disillusionment. Go to another story in the book of Ruth. In the book of Ruth, we read about a very happy Hebrew family made up of four people. The daddy was Elimelech, the mama was Naomi, and two sons, Kalon and, I think, Malon and Kilion. These, these names throw me. Malon and Kilion. So you had Elimelech, Naomi, Malon, Kilion. Happy Hebrew family, but a famine hit Bethlehem, so they had to flee Bethlehem, and they went to Moab. Moab was a place of false gods, false idols, false religion, false beliefs. Polytheism, they believed in many different gods. They worshipped at the idols of false gods. They were, they were not a godly people. But they moved there because they didn't know what else to do. There wasn't a famine there. So they went. Once in Moab, you read that the two boys found two wives. Orpah, not Oprah. Orpah and Ruth. Well, so far, so good. Now, Naomi and Elimelech, the parents, have not only two sons, but two daughters-in-law. But that's when everything began to change. Because soon, Naomi's vision of a happy family with grandchildren bouncing on her knee is shattered. Because the Bible says her husband and two boys died for various reasons, and she is left lying in the ashes of her shattered dream, just like Peter. You know the rest of the story. The Bible says that when all this went down, Orpah said to Naomi, I'm going back to my people, I love you, but I'm going back to my people, and she didn't leave, or she didn't cleave, she left. She left. She left Naomi in her pain, went back to her people, the Moabites, but Ruth made that famous statement. I'm paraphrasing it. She said, where you go, I will go. Where you lie, I will lie. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. I will not. You, you can't pry me away from you. I am sticking with you, Naomi, through it all. I'm with you till death. And she covenanted with this woman. She said, I'm going back with you. And the Bible says that she followed her back to Bethlehem, the beaten disillusioned, shattered Naomi, she followed back to Bethlehem. And when the Bethlehemites, the women there, saw her, they said, hey, Naomi, how's it going? And Naomi said this. She said, don't call me Naomi. That means pleasant. Because actually you need to call me Mara, meaning bitter. For the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Notice how she's blaming God for her trouble. She's blaming God for all that has happened to her. For the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. Don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. I'm bitter. Life has dealt me a bad hand. I'm bitter. I've got failed expectations. 
squared to the 10th power. I've been let down. I don't know which end is up. The Lord's, and then she says this, I went out full, but the Lord has brought me home again, empty. What a way to go. I went out with four of us. I've come back with one of us. There were four. Now there's one. We were a happy family, but now there's one. You call me bitter because I'm bitter. I'm mad at God. I'm mad at life. I'm mad at circumstances. I'm mad at whatever I can be mad at. I'm bitter. I'm let down. I'm ready to check out. I've experienced the opposite of what I saw for my future. What my faith expected, what my dreams anticipated, they just haven't happened. You ever feel that way? Life lets you down. And you want to look up and say, God, where were you? Why'd you do this? Why'd you let this happen? Both Peter and Naomi experienced dashed dreams, shattered hope, disappointed expectations. Both of them, one Old Testament, one new. Now, the second thing the Bible reveals with both stories, think of both stories. Here's what the Bible shows us. In both stories, God had a plan. I want you to say with me, God has a plan. Now, I want you to say it like you mean it. God has a plan. No matter what you're going through, God has a plan. No matter what you've lost, God has a plan. No matter how life has gone, God has a plan. No matter what the devil tries to do to you, God still has a plan. And no flesh on earth, no devil in hell can stop God's plan. God has a plan. Because of Peter's limited understanding of what Jesus had to go through, he failed to see that even through the dark night of Jesus' betrayal and crucifixion, God was working out his eternal plan. See, no matter what the devil does, God has always got a silver lining going through it. God has always got his hand in it. God is always moving in spite of it. You can't stop the hand of God. When God decides to move, you cannot stop him. You cannot hinder him. You cannot shut him down. It is God who always says, checkmate. Always. See, Peter's hope in a conquering Jesus, it was misinformed, but it wasn't wrong. It was a matter of timing and God's way. And so many things are a matter of timing. So many things hinge on timing. We don't understand God's timing. I don't know about you, but my timing and his are never the same. Uh, and thank God for that, because I would have gotten so many things way back. The things I wanted at a certain age would have ruined me if God had given them to me. I'm finding that now a lot of what I saw for myself in my 30s, now that I'm in my 40s, are coming to pass. God had a time. He's a God of exquisite, perfect timing. And here, Peter didn't understand that there was a first. Jesus had to be crucified, buried, 
and resurrected. And it would be after these things. He was made Lord of Lords, King of Kings, the Lord of a conquering church, and the soon coming Messiah. And then when he comes again, he's going to rule the world with a scepter of righteousness, and the devil is going to be thrown into hell where he belongs. And all flesh is going to be shut down. And there's going to be no more sickness, no more disease, no more pain, no more heartache, no more cancer, no more nothing. But it's a matter of timing. So Peter saw his vision come to pass. He saw his dream that had apparently died brought to life by God. And that's why so often God will give you a dream and he'll let it die. He'll let it die and and you'll do everything you can to resurrect it. You'll do everything you can to bring it to pass, but it can't come to pass under your hand, under your strength, under your talent, under your ability. God won't let it happen. God will let that dream die, and then he'll resurrect it in his time and in his way. And when it comes back from the apparent dead, no flesh can get the glory but God. God will get the glory when your dream comes back to life. God had a plan. And Naomi's grief and disappointment hid from her eyes the fact that God was working out a plan that she could never have imagined in her wildest dreams. What God had in store was so far beyond what she could ever have imagined. Because you see, she had to go to Moab to get Ruth. What looked like a detour turned out to be the hand of God because God had spotted a little gal in Moab named Ruth And God had a plan for Ruth that she or Naomi or anyone else on earth could never have imagined. Because you see, he was going to hook her up with Boaz and they would be married and they would produce a child. And and, and Ruth was therefore grafted into, by marrying Boaz, grafted into the sacred lineage that would bring forth Messiah Jesus because she married Naomi's kinsman Boaz. God brought Ruth and Boaz together in marriage. They had a boy named Jesse. Jesse became the father of King David. And out of King David's distant lineage came Joseph of the tribe of Judah, who married Mary, from whom was born Christ Jesus our Lord. So God said... I'm going to let them, it's going to look like a detour, but I'm going to let them go to Moab and I'm going to bring Ruth along and I can't explain it, but somehow in God's sovereignty, he let either Malon or Kilion go home and he brought Ruth to Bethlehem, introduced her to Boaz. Boaz was of the tribe of Judah, of the sacred lineage. When she married him, she got grafted into God's eternal plan. This is heavy stuff. Heavy stuff. Got grafted into God's... And when they, when they brought forth Jesse, Jesse was the father of King David. Followed the lineage all the way down. And Joseph, who married Mary, brought the whole scenario into the tribe of Judah. And Jesus was born of the tribe of Judah. God had a plan. No one could have imagined. But God worked out plan A, not plan B, not plan C, but plan A. And what looked like confusion was God working out his plan. Trust him. He had a bigger and better plan than Peter and Naomi could have ever seen. 
And even when you fail, out of the ashes of personal failure, God will still work out his plan. Everybody say with me, he's a great big God. So dreams are often dashed, but God still has a plan. And there's one last thing I want to say about this. God works out his plan in his way and in his timing, not yours. One of my favorite Bible verses is Jeremiah 29, 11. When I sign books, I always put Jeremiah 29, 11 in it because it, it's a hope verse, and it has brought me out of the, the ashes many, many times. But let me read it to you. God says, I know the thoughts I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. And he spoke that to a people who had miserably failed God. Now, i got to read to you out of the Message Bible. I don't like paraphrases always, but this is too good to pass up. This verse in the Message Bible says, I'll show up and take care of you. Everybody say, he'll show up. Now listen to what God promises. I'll show up and take care of you as I promised. I know what I'm doing. I've got it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Can I just pull the main things out? Listen to this. I'll show up. I know what I'm doing. I've got it all planned out. I'll take care of you. You've got a future in me. (laughs) I want us to say it together. Say, he'll show up. He knows what he's doing. He's got it planned out. He'll take care of me. My future is in him. Give God praise today. Go ahead and give him a hand. Just look at what happened in Peter's experience. We saw what happened. Watch this. Jesus rose from the dead. His dream got up from the dead. Appeared to over 500 people for 40 days and ascended into heaven, King of kings, Lord of lords, and soon coming conquering king. And look what happened to Naomi. Oh, this is so powerful. Here's Naomi. Don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. Look what God did. When, when these women who had first greeted her, and she said, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. Once Ruth and Boaz had the baby, then here's what these women said to Naomi. Blessed be God. He didn't leave you without family to carry on your life. May this baby grow up to be famous in Israel, and he did. He'll make you young again. He'll take care of you in old age. And this daughter-in-law who has brought him into the world and loves you so much, why, she's worth more to you than seven sons. God had a plan bigger than Peter and Naomi's plans, and he worked out his plan in his own way and his timing. He can do the same thing with you. If you're let down today, now let me just talk to you personally, right to you. I'm talking right to you. Forget about everybody around you. Let me talk right to you. I don't know everyone here. But I know human beings, and I know many of you are in a struggle, a frustrated expectation. You've been pregnant with vision. You can't seem to have the baby. You're struggling. Your faith is being tried and tested. You're like Peter. You've been thrown up in the air, and you're being sifted like wheat. Let me talk right to you. God has a plan. And how to respond when you're disappointed is clearly given to us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You know the verse. Don't even turn there. Let me just read it to you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. Let me break that up just for a minute. 
when you don't, when, when your dreams fail, trust in the Lord with all your heart, with every nook, every nook and cranny and crevice of your soul. Trust in the Lord with all. Everybody say all. All your heart. Trust Him with all your heart. When you don't understand God's hand, trust God's heart. Trust His character, His goodness, His mercy, His compassion, His power, His sovereignty. Trust Him. He's not a man that He can lie. Should not the judge of all the earth do right? He will do right by you. Let God be true. In every man, in every emotion, in every circumstance. A liar. Let God be true. Boy, I feel like preaching a little bit here today. Second, don't lean on your own understanding. You don't see the whole picture like he does. Can I say that again? You do not see the whole picture like he does. God sees the whole picture. You only see a little bitty part of it. Listen to Paul. We can see and understand only a little about God now. Now all that I know is hazy and blurred. King James says we see through a glass darkly. But when he comes again or I go to him, I will see everything clearly, just as clearly as God sees my heart right now. You don't see what he sees. You know, my daughter used to have an aquarium. And I used to love to go into her room and turn off all the lights and shut the shades and, and pull up a chair to that aquarium. And, you know, the aquarium's got a light on in the inside. And I loved being in a dark room looking inside that little aquarium at the fish swimming around because it was therapeutic and it was comforting for me. But one night, one night I started thinking, those fish are in that little aquarium. That's the only world they know. They have no idea that sitting in a chair just outside the aquarium is a being, me, that they can't see, looking at them, watching them, every day dropping food into their tank, providing for them, caring for them, watching over them. All they know is their little aquarium. They have no idea that I'm out there looking in. You know what Paul's telling us? He's telling us we're all in an aquarium. And we can't see beyond that aquarium. We think we can. We think we're so brilliant, so bright. But you know what? We can't see our hand in front of our face most times. Most of what God does, you're never aware of because he's outside the aquarium looking in. And, and, and I started thinking one night, maybe there was a rumor among the fish because sometimes I had to thrust my hand in and move things around and clean out the aquarium and move their house a little bit and change the gravel around and clean things up. And there were some of them that my hand touched. And I imagine some of them going, oh, have you felt the hand? So you had atheist fish who had never touched my hand. And, and then you had believers who had been touched by my hand. Because when my hand went in, some of the fish were touched and some were not. And so you had a controversy going on inside the tank. Do you believe in the hand? I don't believe in the hand. Well, I felt the hand. I was just walking along one day, minding my own. And, oh, it touched me. It touched me. All of a sudden, a hand came into the aquarium. A hand reached down and you can say what you want, but I know what I felt. I felt that hand. It's real. That hand touched me. I'm a believer now. And I know that since the hand touched me, there's got to be something attached to the hand. So there is a being outside our world. 
Come on, everybody. There's a being outside our world. And so I believe in the hand that is attached to the arm, that is attached to the man. See, some of you just need to get touched. Some of you are sitting out there, oh, I just don't think that I believe. Oh, one of these days, the hand's going to come into your tank. One of these days, the hand is going to come into your tank, and he's going to touch you. And you're going to go, oh, I believe now. I felt the hand. Oh, hallelujah. I felt the hand. But now here's Paul. Here's my, my point with all this. He's telling us. He's saying, don't lean on your own understanding because all you can see is the aquarium. Those fish didn't know that outside the aquarium was a being sitting in a great big room in a great big house, in a great big city, in a great big unfathomable world. They know so little, and so do you. Thank God for the word that tells me things I would never know without the word. So trust the word and its promises, not what your natural eye sees or doesn't see, because you can't see it all. He's moving in ways you can't see. He's setting you up for a blessing in ways you can't see. He's already working on your behalf in ways you can't see. You're in the aquarium. He closes out, in all your ways acknowledge him. That means submit to him. So when I'm in a failed expectation, and I've experienced that many, many times. I just knew God was going to do a certain thing. And either it tarried or it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to because I had misinformed faith. But now, when I've experienced it, you can do one of two things. You can walk away from God, walk away from church, be bitter like Naomi, and play your violin, or submit to him. In all your ways, submit to him. And he will direct your path. So I say, Lord, don't understand what happened. I don't understand it. But Lord, I submit to you. Because I believe in the sovereignty of God. That even when I'm wrong, he's right. Even when I miss it, he won't. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. Though he's fall, he will not be utterly cast down. But the Lord will guide him with his hand. Can we stand together today? Say with me, when your dreams are dashed, trust him, lean on him, submit to him. And in his timing and his way, he's going to bring plan A to pass. Can we pray? Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your blessing. Now, if you're here today and you can say, you know, Jeff, I, I do have a failed expectation. I'm stinging I'm hurting. My faith is being tested from a letdown. It's a person. It's a place. It's a thing. But you've been let down. You're discouraged. Where was God? I want to encourage us. I'm going to take us in an exercise right now. If that's you, would you raise your hand? If you're dealing with a failed expectation, raise your hand. Raise them high. Don't be ashamed. There's many of you in here. Just say with me, Lord, I trust you. We can all say this. Lord, I trust you. 
with all my heart. Lord, I don't lean on my own thinking. And I submit to you. I lay my life out before you. Guide me. Thank you, Lord, for hearing this prayer. Now, with our heads bowed, there may be somebody here today and say, you know, Jeff, I don't even know for sure if I know Jesus. Can I talk right to you? You can know. The Bible says that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know. Know for sure. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And you can do it right now, right here. You can ask Jesus into your heart right now and he will come in. So I want you to pray this with me. Go ahead, you can do it. You can pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I can be saved. Now say, I repent of my sin and I turn from my sin. And I ask you to forgive my sin and come into my heart as Savior and Lord. I look to you for my salvation. In Jesus' name. And with your heads bowed, if you can say, Jeff, I prayed that with you. Would you just slip your hand up? Say, I prayed that with you. God bless you and you. And you, God bless you. Back over here, several, many. Listen, in just a moment, I'm going to dismiss this service. But I'm going to stand right down here. And and I want to pray with you. I want to meet you. And I want you to come and tell me I prayed with you, Jeff. And I want to give you something to take home with you. Because we want to follow up on you. We want to pray with you. We want to rejoice with you. So if if you prayed that with me, don't head out back yet. Come this way. Okay? Uh, And come and meet me. All right, how many of you are glad you came to church at 12 o'clock? Amen?